I'm really blessed by tr what Tracy had to say about the five women in Belarus, because I'm a Minsker Jew. That's my landsman. It's my Zadie's landsman. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, you guys have no idea what you prayed for. Neither did I. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I was sent to Zambia to, for, to work for about a week, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, from my business. But I knew, uh, even as much as I didn't even want to go, I knew this was of the Lord and I had to go. And it took, you guys interceded for four weeks, and, and, and on the surface you were praying for my safety and my health and this, that, and the other. But really what you were praying for, because God had all of that taken care of, what you're really praying for was to soften my very stubborn heart, to have a heart to want to go there and be obedient to what had to happen. And one of the things I learned, the most important things I learned, was that God does not need mine or yours full equipment and knowledge and skill and ability and ability to wield the word like a sword and blah, blah, blah. What God needs and requires is our obedience. I went to a place where I had zero equipment, as I've mentioned before. Don't know the languages. There are 75 of them. Don't know the people. Can't name one tribe from another or tell them apart. Don't know the government or the politicians. Nothing. But God moved mightily because I was dumb enough to just be obedient because I don't know any better. And this was one of those truly where God did, you know, as it says in Ephesians, exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or think. And we asked, and I thought, and you prayed, and we imagined stuff, but it wasn't it. <laughs> Not at all. I knew um, from the time I landed in London to wait for my connection, God said, obey me in something you wouldn't usually do. Just obey me and go do it. So I walked into, there's a prayer room in Heathrow Airport, and it has a big sign that says, men and women of all faiths are welcome in this room, uh, because it's almost always used as a mosque. It's a... Uh, there were Muslim men in and out on the prayer rug, on the floor, chanting to Allah all the time. And God said, go in there, go in the rummage in the cabinet. And f I found a, a Hebrew siddur, and it was afternoon. So I go, oh, Micha, I can daven the Micha. And the Lord said, sit there in the middle of these people and daven. How many, there's not that many places in the world where a Jewish woman at the same place in the same time could be praying in the middle of a bunch of Muslim men. <laughs> so the... And there's some really awesome praises in the Mecha, you know. So I was dominating psalms, and God says, just love them. It, you'll, you'll never see them again. It doesn't matter if they think you're nuts. Just do it. So I prayed and loved them. God made me love a bunch of Muslim men who were giving me horrible faces. <laughs> but, but there's something in me moved that said, that you are not going to make me not love you. There's, my God's bigger than your sword. I, I love you. I don't care. And God had told me, if you obey me, I'll take care of everything. And so from the minute I landed in Lusaka, everything was in order. Even from the, the minute we landed in the airport, something happened to the customs people. They got stuck in traffic or whatever, and the customs officers never made it to the airport. <laughs> so the, so the, we had bags of children's Bible coloring and Hebrew siddurs and toys, things that they would steal and hawk them on the street in the middle of Lusaka. Never got touched, never got open, never got low. I, I got out of there faster than I ever got out of DIA. <laughs> okay, so I kind of, okay, Lord, I, I don't know anything, but I can just go where you say. I'll, you deal with it, I'll just stumble. Um, so from the, I did all the things that I thought I was going to do and the things I've described to you. 
opening nuclear engineering meetings in prayer, and I did those things. But that's not what God sent me for. Yes, you know, the, it was the strangest nuclear engineering conference in all of world history, I'm sure, because it got opened with Psalm 131 chanted in Hebrew over a bunch of Namibians and Zambians who had no clue what I was doing. But my boss walked out before I started. He goes, I, I think you've got this in control. You don't need me. Do whatever you please. I'm busy. Walked out and left me there. So I ran the course. Okay, Lord, what is it I need to do? What do you want me to want? <laughs> and he says, I want you to bless these people. Open your mouth in Hebrew and bless them. So I did, and it did help the conference in a very strange ways. People opened up and got warm, and Namibians and Finns and Norwegians and the IAEA and everybody else was sitting down and talking like people. It wasn't a nuclear conference anymore. It was like, um, well, yeah, you're an American, and you have environmental issues, but here, if you have too many ore trucks, it scares the elephants. And then they trample every village from Chundi to Lumumba, and then the endangered species are the humans because they have no habitat. <laughs> and they were having honest talks, and that was a blessing, and that was one of the things God wanted me to do, but that's not really why he sent me. And then another day, um, my boss walks up and goes, I hope you have a cocktail dress because... We're invited to dinner at the Finn Embassy. So please dress, and it's black tie. And, please, and I'm going, I'm going in the African bush. She expects me to have a dinner dress. But I did, and she was too. <coughs> so we did that. And while we were there, there's people there from British, Brit, former British India, Hindus. There's people from the People's Republic of China, Finns, Norwegians, um, Zambians, Namibians. And then in the middle walks in, and we're doing all the protocols, because it's an embassy, of course. And you have to, and I'm, I'm a te technical, I'm not an ambassadorial level person, I'm a professional. So I'm a second tier and blah, blah, blah. In the middle, who walks in? His Royal Highness, uh, Chief Mumena, King of Northwest Zambia. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the protocols change to a lot of bowing and scraping, because he's a king. <laughs> So everyone has to get in the reception line and do all the proper stuff. So I'm in line, and my boss was showing me what to do to bow to him, so I went over to bow to him and uh, over his hands. And as I lift my head up, I see he's wearing on his lapel a big Star of David <laughs> with, his, <laughs> with inside of it a big cross. And I'm not a cross person, but these are Christians, these African Christians, and that's how they show their... Uh, solidarity with Israel and I looked up and you can see in this guy's eyes this is a brother in the Lord and this is like an on fire turn this place over for Yeshua kind of brother in the Lord watch out watch out <laughs> so, so he goes of course to head table and it's almost it was really funny he, he certainly he has the bodyguard with the, the camo suit and the big machine rifle hanging over him and the bodyguard that holds his dinner plate while he picks what he wants from the buffet and stuff. And I'm not allowed to go near him and all this other stuff. So I'm sitting with the professionals. But I couldn't help it. I had to go talk to him about that star. <laughs> so I woke up to the head to his bodyguards jump up on either side of him. Why is this woman coming near the king? So I go up to ask him, why do you, I need to know why you have that on. I can't help it. This is the week that back home, my people or mourning the loss of the six million. And so it really touches me in the middle of Africa to see somebody wear that with the cross of the Messiah in the middle. I'm a Jew who believes in the Messiah. And he jumps in front of the table and starts to cry. <coughs> and says, I'm going to, do you want to turn this place over for Yeshua? So, okay. So he stands up at the head table and says, 
and starts, ta- he starts preaching. He stands up and says, this woman is a delegate of a higher king than me, and it's time for the kings of men to bow themselves to the king of kings, and Africa shall go first. And the, and the holy cow. <laughs> and he goes, at the end of dinner, I want you to bless me in front of these people. I'm going to humble myself to your king who's higher than me. Will you let me do that? Um, yes, sir. <laughs> and, uh, yes, your highness, of course, because you got to do that, you know. He goes, when you cut that out, you're going to fold your dress. Cut it out. So, so at the end of the evening, my boss and all these other people have been trying for a long time to create good rapport with the local leadership. And this guy walks up to me and goes, okay, sister, give me a hug and bless me, okay? I don't even know him. I've never seen this guy before. So, the, so he walks up and he bows his head into my hands. He humbles himself and says, it is right for me to humble myself to the son of David. You are an ambassador of a king higher than me. These people need to see. Bless me the way you do it. So again, again, I prayed over him in Hebrew, and I called down Psalm 128 in Hebrew, and then translated it, and he got up and preached, because he's looking, and there's the People's Republic of China, and Namibia, and Hindus, and watching an African king go first, humble himself to our king. So, and that's all I did. I didn't have to do anything. I don't know him. If I had tried to make those connections, I couldn't have. I don't know anybody. Um, but I do know how to daven in Hebrew, and if you want me to chant psalms, I can do that in Hebrew all day long. That's my comfort zone. <laughs> I prayed more Hebrew in Africa than I ever do in this room. <coughs> but that wasn't why I was there either. The re- the, the, I also went to see, I did visit the uh, Messianic Orphanage, the uh, school and orphanage that the Yalengas uh, run in Lusaka, and I was again moved to pray in Hebrew over the children. They don't speak English, they're learning. I don't speak Bemba, Chundi, or any of that other stuff. But they understand Hebrew when they hear the scriptures. So Faye says, Davin, pray Hebrew, open a psalm, chant, they'll recognize. And they, so the children did, and I got to bless them, and she translated, and we prayed over them. And this is one of the things I want you to pray over. If, if they are typical of Zambia, 65% of the children in that yard that we prayed over are probably HIV positive, and they will not live to adulthood if they are typical, because that's the situation there. That's one of the things. Pray for a phase kids. God moved me to, again, a line from Psalm 128 that says, you will grow up. You will live to see your children's children. You will get old. Oh, and, and God said, say the strongest thing you can say. You're not the God of healing. It's not your reputation on the line. It's mine. It's my word. Sam, I told you, Sam, Sam. So I stood there and, and spoke life over kids who are probably in the natural, normally would not live to adulthood. So, um, <coughs> and that's still not why I went. It was much simpler. It was much simpler than that. I went to the jungle for one day to do an inspection in the mine camp. That's, this is why God sent me. And I crossed paths for some hours with a young boy, Muslim Turk, named Serdar. And in the first hours of the day, I was working, he was working, we didn't interact. Dinner, go to the mess tent, and there's seven pork chops. So, which I don't eat. But they're, Andrew, our VP, is a good guy. He makes sure that every night they serve something that isn't pork, if it's meat, and then something that isn't meat every night. 
So um, someone had saved me, absolutely spectacular, because they're good cooks, a steak and mushroom sauce, really good. <coughs> so someone had saved it for me. And I went to sit down and eat it, and Serdor, the Turkish kid, he's in his early 30s, sits down next to me and says, Oh, you don't need the uncleanness either. How wonderful. Finally, somebody I can talk to. Please tell me you're Jewish or Muslim or something that I identify with. So, um, because everyone in the camp, they're, they're evangelical Christians. They're on fire, very evangelical Christians. And Sardar felt overwhelmed. So he made me sit with him, and we, I made mention of Faye's, uh, I have, he asked me where I'm going the next day. I'm going to see Faye's orphanage before I leave. And I told them that these are Messianic Africans who have identified with the Jewish Messiah, the same Jewish Messiah that I do, and they've recognized in the middle of Africa that the proper way to respect him is in a Hebrew context. So he's thinking about this, and we were talking about non-spiritual things at dinner, didn't witness and do anything, and then um, he grabs my arm <coughs> and says, can we go out and, and talk where there's nobody listening? I need to talk to you. There's, I got something in my heart, and I need to talk to you, and you don't need to uncleanness. this, so I, I think I can talk to you about it. Calls me out into the bush because he wants to be alone, where it's safe. He was complaining during dinner about, Turkey is so Islamicized, and I can't even talk my heart to my friends. My best friend is Jewish, and in the old days, a Jewish man saved my great-grandpa, and I respect Jewish people. I'm not allowed to say that because if the imams have spies, it'll get back, they'll hurt my parents in Istanbul. I can't talk about that. So uh, let's go in the woods. I need to talk to you. So we go out in the woods, and he starts sharing. He opens his heart. I never met a kid who was so ready. He was saying, I'm a successful professional geologist. I'm married to a beautiful woman geologist. We thought we couldn't have children. We now have a new baby daughter who's wonderful. Why do I have such a big hole in my heart? I'm so empty. What's wrong? (laughs) Oh, my God. And um, he's he's talking. He says, don't go Jewish mother on me. If you're going to tell me to go back to my traditions and go to the mosque, I ain't going. I don't want anything to do with that phony prophet. He's a pervert, that evil Allah, and that phony prophet. Don't even mention him to me. So (laughs) he's had up to here with Islam. Um, So he's talking himself into, if there really is a God, and I don't believe there's a God, but if there really is a God, he would be like this. And he's describing Yeshua to a T. He's talking himself into it. And then he turns around and he says, well, I'm really disgusted with our God, so what's yours like? (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're out in the bush. It's pitch dark. Uh, I don't have my scriptures. are back in the tent, of course, so I can't read them. And it's dark. Couldn't read them anyways. And all there is, we're in the southern hemisphere. Above us is the southern cross. So there's this big, giant cross of stars with the two pointers that look like a spear pointing into the, in the cross. And I could see this is, I could tell, this is why Yeshua died for this kid to get this moment so that this kid can feel safe with some strange Jewish lady in the middle of nowhere even though there are pit vipers and black mambas and malaria mosquitoes and we were half a click from the elephant trail and it's not safe. It was safe and I needed to be there because this boy was ready <coughs> and uh, I kept looking up with the, at, the, at the really beautiful light of the of the Southern Cross. And uh, he knows, he can tell, I had a sense that this place is now holy, it's safe. It's not, it's not of those, I used to preach in tent meetings, you know, Pentecostal meetings down south, you know, and it was none of those, I command you Satan in the name of the Lord to take up your weapons and flee. It was none of that kind of stuff. 
It was more of a sense that this boy opened his heart and asked for the Lord. So this place has become Ochale Yaakov, the tents of Jacob. Why are the tents of Jacob so beautiful? Because God's in them. It became sacred. It's a holy place. Because he asked God to show up. So the black mamas and the pit vipers and the dangers, it's more like they have no authority here. The, the author of evil has no authority here. Don't worry about it. So he knew too. He blurts out and says, I need to tell you, I forgot my malaria medicine. And so it's a risk for me to be out here with you. But it's not, is it? I need to be here. I think it's right. I need to be sitting with you and talking about these things. So tell me about your God and that Yeshua guy. And I'm not worried about malaria or anything. We're safe. I think we're okay here. We're safe. Just tell me. We're safe from the imams and we're safe from the environment. So I immediately, what are you going to do? You have to do from your heart. No scriptures, you know. So you speak from your heart the things of the Lord. And what I left him with was, you need to stop asking the imams. And he has a local church in, in Saskatoon that he's afraid to go to. And so you don't need to ask the church preacher or the imams or even me. If you want to know if God is real, go ask him. Don't ask the other people. Go talk to him. And listen to which prophet answers you. When you hear him, that's the right one. You've got to do that. And there's a reason you're stuck for five weeks here in the jungle alone. Because you need to spend some time to get that guy to talk to you. <clears throat> so that's where I left him. And that's why I was sent there. The reality is I didn't get to witness at all. All I got to do was not eat a pork chop. That was my whole witness. <laughs> so I went back to my tent and laid down and uh, laughed. I was laying in, my, in a tent in the jungle in the middle of the night laughing, going, okay, Lord, if this isn't the mission field, send me anywhere you want next week, and I promise you I won't eat a pork chop, and you can lead somebody else to the Lord too. That's good with me. I can do that any day of the week. <coughs> um, and the, I thought I was going to witness to Des, but Des, it turns out, Des Chapewa, that's how they say Shapiro in, uh, in Bemba, is, was, you know, he drove me. He was roaring Bible music up and down all of Africa. So um, he, there was, that wasn't the one. And I, and I really did want to witness to a Jewish person. So when I'm ready to go, I talking to the, um, the database manager, and he says, you know, I think we have our database under control now. Thank you for your input. But I think you should still meet my boss anyway. Let me give you the contact information. And even though you don't need to really work with him, uh, meet him. I think you should just talk to him. Get on the phone with him. He's at headquarters. Here's, the, here's who I'd like you to talk to. And he writes me the info. And, of course, the, uh, the person's name is uh, Simon Greenberg. And I look and I go, of course it is. It has to be Simon Greenberg. Of course it is. Because God promised me I would go cross paths with a Jew. So that's my next assignment is I have to work with him now. Um, I, the thing that touched me the most was that any place becomes sacred if you walk in and God goes in there with you. Amen. All you have to be is, is obedient and be there.